So it's a nice, every gemara is nice, but that's gemara is a little bit sweeter, like a dessert. So let's start with the Mishnah. Says the Mishnah, we're in Samech Gimel Aleph, 63A1, starting the new Mishnah, about a few lines into the page. But Nisin says the Mishnah, Lo Yitzayish. Now, in the previous Mishnah, we saw things that if a lady go out with them on Shabbos, is liable for transgressing the provision of Atzah from the Torah. Now, this Mishnah is going to speak about men. Lo Yitzayish, Lo so he's going to start with all these things that men were go to the war. So a person shouldn't go out. The saif is a sword. Below keshes, that's a bow. Below the sris, that is a shield. Below Allah. And now with an Allah, the Gemara is going to tell us right now what is an Allah. I sent you the picture. Just take a picture in your phones. Below the roimach. And now with a... A spear. Okay? And as I mentioned, this is prohibited from the Torah. If he goes out, he will be liable for a Hatas offering. This is Tanakama. We're going to see a beautiful, interesting Machlaikis over here. And again, previously we saw in previous cases also Raviliezer is more lenient. No, for a man. To go out with the, with the Uzi machine gun and all that, it, it's an uh, ornament. <laughs> so you can go out like that on Shabbos. Omer, Tachshit in is an ornament, and therefore, now, is a Machlok is looking at the footnote, it's not clear if he permits Lechatchila, like 100% go on Shabbos with your sword and your bow and your arrow, or is only uh, the Orai the, the says, okay, but rabbinically you shouldn't go. It's not clear. And the poskim have different opinions regarding that. Okay. So the previous, the Tanakama, it was the Chachamim, they, the, the Mishnah goes back to say how on why they disagree with Abeliezer. What are you talking about? You think this is um, something, an ornament? This is a disgrace that people have to go to war. Shenemar, how do we know that? It's a Pasuk. It's in the beginning of the prophet Yeshayahu. The kisetu harvoisom, the itim, the chaninosam, the masmerois, loisa goy el goy, chere, the loy ilmedu od milchama is a famous pasuk. They in the future shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning shears. Nations shall not lift up a sword against a nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Bahamim bring a pasuk to Rabbi Eliezer, what are you talking about? War is not ideal. War is a very BDF situation. How do say it's an ornament? Okay, that's going to be the part, the sweet part of the Gemara. <clears throat> and then today, Bezal Shem at the end, going to be some alocha. So, Bidis Teora. We had this previously, if you remember, a garter. So, a garter is some sort of an elastic, some sort of a small belt that holds in each leg of the lady the stockings not to go down as she walks. So because we're going to see the Gemara is needed for the garment, it's not considered outside. And what might go with on Shabbos? But Kvalim, the Gemara is going to explain what is Kvalim, Tmeim. This is like some chains. The Gemara is going to explain what is the usage of these chains that are related also to their stockings. So that is more of a vessel 
and therefore his tummy is susceptible to acquire tumor. And they cannot go out wearing this on Shabbos. So I forgot to mention the previous one, which is the garter. It's not, it's not considered a proper keili, and that's why that's why it's tower, because it's like a secondary thing to the stockings. So as an aid to the stockings, it's not a proper kli, it's not an ornament, and therefore this tower wouldn't be susceptible to become tummy. So just a very short Gemora explaining what is this my Allah, what is this instrument called an Allah, and says the Gemara is a kulfa, which I don't even know how to pronounce it, it's a maze, mass, something like that. I send you the picture of these things that in the world. Okay, so according to Tanakama, none of these can a person go out on Shabbos, and Rabbi Eliezer says, Rabbi Eliezer omer tachshitin eloi, baitin de Gemara. Rabbi Eliezer says, no, these are ornaments. <coughs> it's okay for a warrior, and for, for a Jew to go out wearing this on Shabbos. Tanya, the Gemara is going to explain what was over here, the argument. Rabbi told him, you're telling me these are ornaments. If these are nice stuff, when will Mashiach comes, people won't wear them anymore. He said, not because it's not something that for sure people won't use, but won't be, uh, because it's, it's something bad, but they won't be needed. As it stated, that again a nation won't go with a sword against a nation. Says the Gemara, but if according to you it's not so bad, Tila Alma. Okay, so people, there will be no more wars, but if according to you there's nothing wrong with it, let people go out in the times of the Mashiach, not only on Shabbos in general, as an adornment. So according to you, how you reconcile the verse? So Amaravaye, okay. So the Gemara is clarifying both opinions. The one of the Chachomi and the one of Eliezer. Omar Abaye, midi diaba, ashraga betiara. It's a very interesting concept. Says Abaye, look, nowadays when there's still wars, so there's something, something about having a weapon. But once there will be no more wars, the Meshach is going to be here. So it's similar to a lamp in a broad daylight. Look in the footnote number four, 14. Since a lamp in broad, day, in, in broad daylight is useless, if somebody walking now with a candle, with a torch on, you look at the guy, you're sugar there, look at the sun, you don't need that. So it is not attractive. So similarly, when weapons will no longer be needed, when the Mashiach comes, they will lose their appeal as ornaments. And subsequently will be beaten into hoes and pruning shears. But in our day, according to Amelieser, which is still in times of war, weapons are ornaments. So you know what? We're going to see later in the Gemara that the, the, the weapons, uh, the sword, can also be a symbol of a, a Torah scholar fighting, not physically, with the, with the reason and the intellect and the knowledge. So definitely weapons are also a parable to fight against the Yetzirah. So nowadays, that we, can, we, we still have to fight before Mashiach comes against the Yetzirah. So also the external weapon is an adornment to show, uh, as the Messiah Shem says, we have to be warriors to fight against the Yetzirah.
Okay, the Gemara says, and this opinion, Pliga de Shmuel. Now, if you remember, we saw this uh, Nisim, we saw it in Sanhedrin, everybody, we saw it in Brochos, and this is the third time we're going to see an argument. When Mashiach comes, are things going to change or things are going to remain the same? Pliga de Shmuel, this opinion, this Brisa, is against Shmuel. Now, it's very interesting looking at the footnotes. Usually, it's the other way around. Usually, you have a brisa. You would say, this is a kasha against Shmuel. Now, saying, this is, uh, this is uh, an argument with Shmuel, which was only an Amora. So, look at the footnotes, the different answers. One of them, when it comes to Agadeta, when it comes to philosophical matters, is not as strong to say, oh, the brisa is completely contradicting you, so Shmuel are wrong. When it comes to f- philosophical arguments, there's more of a leniency to say that Shmuel can be against our price. The Amr Shmuel, according to Shmuel, the only difference between now and when the Shiach comes is Shibut Galuyos Bilbad. It's only that when the Shiach comes, we won't be any more subjugated by the nations. We won't have to listen to America to be on top of us telling us whether uh, Judea and Samaria belongs to us or not and things like that. We will be free to do whatever we want. But according to Shmuel, it won't be major changes in terms of nature. Why? Because it says, The Pasuk says in the Dvorim, for the poor will not, cause, will not cease from the midst of the land. So that means that uh, things are going to continue in some level of normality. It's very important to see the footnote number 17 that says the following. This verse implies that in the world, that in this world, there will always be poverty and wealth. And even when the Messiah comes, so the, Messiah, the Messianic era is part of this world. Therefore, the consolation, so according to Shmuel, based on this Pasuk, once Messiah comes, there still be normal things. We're going to do business and things like that. So therefore, the consolations of the prophets, that it says, Lo oid, should be no poppers, no, yeah, poppers in Zechariah do not refer to the Messianic era, rather refer to the next world. Now, we're going to see in the footnotes, this Olam Abba, according to Shmuel, is not usually what we call the Olam Abba. I mean, let me keep on reading to clarify Shmuel's opinion. So, likewise, our verse in Ishayahu, which foretells the end of wars, refers to the next world. Now, what do you mean the next world? Which next world? However, according to Shmuel, the next world does not mean the world of souls. Or, or, or after, or after we, we're going to go forever in the world to come, with the righteous will suit with no crowns on their heads, as we saw in Brachos, delighting with the radiance of the divine presence. For in that world, there would be no body activity. So we should have no business, no poor people, no rich people. Um, there would be no need to, to work on anything. So therefore, Ishaya, on the other hand, implies that people will still use hose and pruning shears. So hence, we have to say that according to Shmuel, the next world, what he means over here in, in Ishaya 2 and 4, and the verses of consolation must be the time of the resurrection of the dead, when there will be bodily activity, something that won't happen in the proper world to come, where there would be nobody activity, 
with the souls only have spiritual essence. This is the Marsha. And let's go back to the Gemara. So according just to sum up, according to Shmuel, it's like this. Mashiach comes, and the only change is there would be no more war, but the world still runs in the normal way. Uh, then, the, then this go, after Mashiach, according to Shmuel, then it's going to be Trias Amazing. In that Trias Amazing, Amazing, there would be all the promises that the world is going to be a much better situation. And then it's going to be the final Olamaba. But this goes back to the Gemora. Our Braisa, however, it is yes approved. That he and Rav hold that the prophetic consolation related to the Mashiach times, that he holds that according to him, all the prophecies in the prophets of changes in nature, they're going to yes apply to the time of the Mashiach. So, according to this second opinion, when Mashiach comes, things are going to yes change for the good. It says about Lamaba, but regarding the world to come, I know Rasalimzulosecha. Regarding the world to come, no I has seen a shame except you, which means not even a prophet. Let me just finish the pasuk, that which he will do for one who waits for him. So according to the second opinion, look in the footnote number eighteen, even the eyes of the prophets were not capable of seeing what the world to come is gonna be. So I mentioned uh, this when we did the brachos, the, the Gemara brachos brought this machlekes, that Rav Dessler brings this machlekes, and Rav Dessler says in the name of the Vilna Gaon that really there's no machlekes over here between Shmuel and this second opinion over his Rav Chiyabarav, also in brachos is Rav. Rather, Shmuel is speaking to Meshach ben Yosef. Probably that's different of the Marsha. We saw in the Marsha how we explained it, but the Vilna Gaon explains it, that Shmuel spoke about Mashiach ben Yosef. So when Mashiach ben Yosef comes, there won't be many changes in nature. The only change also in the footnotes they bring them to there would be Besamikdash, the Jewish people are going to go back to Eretz Israel. And then, then when Mashiach ben David comes, then it's going to be changes in nature. And then finally it's going to be the world to come with uh, with be no activity whatsoever. So I was thinking something something interesting idea. There's a Gemara in Sanhedrin that says that Ben David Ba Ben David that Mashiach can only come at the end of the Shviz of the Shmita, which is gonna be only in about three years or something like that. So that is in Ben David Bo, this is Mashiach Ben David. But Ben Yosef can come right now. The first stage of Mashiach, Mashiach ben Yosef, can come even now. So maybe we should be zoeche for that, especially today is the Pesach Sheini. So it's brought that uh, if we were zoeche for Mashiach to come in, in Nisan, that already passed. So maybe today is the second opportunity for Mashiach to come. And even though Eliyahu Navi cannot come on a Friday, out of Shabbos, but Meshach can yes come on a Friday. So maybe today, Rabbi Isai, have you packed? You have your suits for Mashiach? Okay. So this is the first way of learning the Braisa. Now, 
there's a second way of learning the Braisa, Vika de Amri, Amrulil Abeliezer, that it was a little bit the other way around, the Machlokes between Chachamim and Abeliezer. So this is what he told him. If you're holding the weapons are ornaments for man, why they're going to be eliminated when Mashiach comes? No. Who told you that when Mashiach comes, there will be no more weapons? <clears throat> for sure, when Mashiach comes, there's still going to be weapons. So this would be, says according to Shmuel, Shmuel. So again, if this is going on Mashiach Ben Yosef, we understand it. That when Mashiach Ben Yosef comes, there's going to still be wars and things like that. But nevertheless, the Jewish people are going to be back in the land of Israel with Samikdish, with Samikdash, looking at the footnotes, the weapons are going to be more for the nations fighting one against another. This is a disagreement with Rabbi Chiavar Abba. That according to Rabbi Chiavar Abba, no, once Mashiach comes, there will be no more need for weapons, and there's going to be a dramatic change in nature. <laughs> now, this is very funny. I don't remember any other time seeing in the Gemora so many ways of explaining who said what to whom. Some say it was Abaye told Some say that he told this to Abaye. Some say it was Abaye. Some say it was Abaye. was Rabbi Yosef that he told to Rabdimi. And the others who say no. Some say it was Abaye. Some say it was Rabbi Yosef to Rabbi And there's still. The Amrila Abayle Rav Yosef. I think it's five times who said what to whom. And those who say was Abayle that told of Yav Yosef the following. My time with Rav Eliezer. Why is the reason of Rav Eliezer that he holds the Amatakshit in Eloi that weapons are an ornament for man? So it's a pasuk can tell him that it says, Gird your sword upon you. Almighty One, and the pastor calls it for it your glory and your splendor. So we see, says wherever it was, was five, five opinions who said this and to whom, but we find a pastor in Tehillim that is its uh, ornament for a person to have his uh, sword geared to him. said, but hold on. Who tells you that that verse is Kepshutoi? Even Divrei Torah, that is written regarding Divrei Torah, not to be taken literally. So what do you mean Divrei Torah? Look beautiful, phone number 20. The verse says metaphorically, be careful to review your learning, like be sharp, so we'll be ready as when you need to bring a proof to your opinion when you're debating with the Chavruse, and he holds different like you, so if you have your knowledge clear in your memory, it's like a sword. You can take out your psukim and just kill the other guy. Okay? Just as a sword stands ready upon the tie of a mighty warrior with which he triumphs in battle. So this ability to recall your learning, to remember it, is your glory and your splendor. So Rav Kana said, why are you taking a pasuk that he means to teach us about Torah and tell me literally that a sword is an, an ornament for a person. So Amalei, so Mardesan of Abuna told back to Rabkana, 
You're right, but you're right that there's a deeper meaning on the Pasuk, but always you can also take a Pasuk face value. A person of the Pasuk is plain meaning. So over here it does mean that swords are ornament for people. Wow, look to, to the answer of Avkana. When I was already 18 year old, I already knew the entire Talmud when I was 18. Rav Kana said, And it's the first time, I don't know how old it was by now, it's the first time I ever hear in my life, even after learning the entire Gemara, such a principle that a pasuk never departs from its plain meaning. The Gemara says, Okay, so it's an interesting comment. But is he teaching us something, Rav Kahn, about that comment? So the Gemara, yes. The Likemar Inish, Eviada Lisbar. A person should learn and only after should try to get deeper into the understanding, like Rav Kana. So this, my dear friends and Ravoisai, is a good consolation for all of us that we're doing that Yoimi. And it's very fast. And sometimes we don't even remember it. Sometimes we don't even fully understand it. So says this Gemara, don't worry. That's the way to go about it. First, learn. Like Ravakana, learn the entire Shas. Know it. And then maybe later, years after that, you're going to be able to understand it better. But at least start by learning it through the whole thing. Like Ravakana, but he was 18 years old and he knew the entire Gemara. So I don't know if Nisin is going to be happy with this comment. We have a secret member for this morning shiur, or dear Yuval. And he's closer to be 18-year-old than any one of us. We already, long, long time ago, left the 18-year-old. My dear Yuval, please, when you're 18-year-old, I want you to know the entire Gemore. Okay? I love him. Okay, let's continue. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't understand what you... No, I don't understand your question. Yeah, many times. Yeah. Yes. No, I think you bring a support for this point. The, the, the Gemara brings teachings of him because he, he knew it. He, we don't, I don't think we mean to say the entire Gemara that we have it now by Ravashi, because Ravkana was a couple of generations before Ravashi. So well, I think what he means to say, he knew the entire Mishnayos and the entire understanding of the Mishnayos. That's what we call Gemara. But not, 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 not the Daf Yomi we have today, not the 2,711 pages as we have him today, because you're right, he was two generations before that. But he knew everything, and I think you bring us support, because he knew everything, that's why the Gemara quotes him a lot. 
I think that's what I mean. We've, we found previously that the concept of a Gemara is a concept of understanding the, 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 the seeming contradictions between the Mishnayos and to be able to answer them. So I think that's what he means, he knew it. So I think he means to say, I knew, maybe it could be more in level of Allah, kind of what we call it today, like we knew it, he knew it, but there were still things in the upper level he didn't know. Let, let's, let's see the asshole how they mean so, over here. Look in the footnote number 23. Maybe that helps us to understand this Gemara. <clears throat> One should first learn the Talmud from his teacher, even though he does not understand the rationale of every statement. That means what I'm saying, the Daf Yomi. Let's go through it. And only afterward should he prove, prove a problem for the reasoning. I think probe, right? Now, Rav Kana himself exemplifies this principle, for he did not understand how the verse provided the basis for Rav Eliezer's opinion, and he did not know the reason given by Gemora, namely that the verse never departs from a plain meaning, and yet he had known the entire Talmud since the age of 18. Again, I don't think Talmud means Ravashi's Talmud. I mean, it means uh, the Bryce's, like... Rav Kana knew this price of Rav Eliezer, that uh, is, is a weapon is an adornment for a person, and but he didn't know that that was that like Abaye said, that was well other than it was Abaye it was five opinions who said who to what, that the basis for Rav Eliezer's opinion that a sword is an ornament is really a pasuk and tailim, that he didn't know. He knew the price of it, he knew that that does a proof for Abeliezer's opinion. Okay, let's move on. Bezat Hashem. Now the Gemara brings beautiful uh, Agadetas, Yuval. This is more going to you because you're still young, you're still in the yeshiva. So if you're still with us, Yuval, you have to see how you have to be as a Havrusa. There's going to be many teachings how a person should be a proper Havrusa. Uh, the voice, I don't feel bad, also for us, but it was a little bit over, over the age, but still. So this Siman Zarois is just the names of the rabbis. Um, one is uh, Rabbi Eliezer, the Zayn, Rabbi Yisrael Lakish, Rabbi Shimon Ben Lakish, and Vavan Tafo Talmidim, something like that. You have two Torah scholars that they sharpen by each one in the law, meaning to say they're sharpened by learning together. We look in the food of Lashem Shemaim. But one says something, you know, this beautiful Gemora, I think it was in Baba Metzia, Rabbi Yochanan and Rishlaki were Havrusas. And there was a whole episode why they had a machlokes and the kids, Rishlakish ended up dying. And the Gemara says over there, Rabbi Yochan became Meshuggen, literally. And the, the Talmud damned for him to die. To die, he became Meshuggener because he lost his Chavrusa. And the Gemara says the famous statement, Chavrusa o Misusa. It's better to have a, if you don't have a right Chavrusa to learn with it, it's better to be dead. Because Rabbi Yochan went Meshuggener when he lost Rish Lakish. So we see that it's very important to have somebody to learn with him that can sharpen your way of thinking. The Gemara over there says, when Rishlakish died, they brought Rabbi Lozar, this Rabbi Lozar, as, as, as a Chavrusa to Rabbi Yochanan. 
and everything Rabbi Yochanan said, Rabbi Eliezer would, Rabbi Eliezer would, would bring proofs for Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan went to Shugan and said, I don't need you to bring proofs. I know what I think. Rish Lakish, what are you? He said, everything I would say, Rish Lakish would bring me, I don't know how many kashas he would bring every time he would say something. So every time he would say something, Rish Lakish would bring so many kashas against me, and the Torah just came up like a flame. I don't need you to bring me proofs to what I think. So what this means to Torah scholars, that's, that's what it means of the Gemara, two Torah scholars that sharpen each other in law. So listen to this, my dear Yuval. The Holy One, blessed be, grant, grants them success. The exception of Mar, the Adarcho, Tzlach. There's a passage that says, and with your splendor you succeed. And then says, Altikri, the Adarcho, Ela, the Chadedcho. Because the word of the Adarcho over here in that passage is a little bit extra, <clears throat> because in the previous passage, had already stated worrying about your splendor. So says the Gemara, your splendor, your sharpening. So he's going to be successful. Not only that, but Hashem is going to bring these two chabruses to greatness. Why? Because the continuation of the verse says, that you succeed right on royal steeds. I don't know how to pronounce it. But careful, Madi Yuval. Could this be even when it's, you are arguing just because you're like fighting with people? No. So says the Gemara, only when you are discussing with your Chavrusa for the sake of Emes, for the sake of truth. Ah, now, what if you become arrogant? Oh, you're such a sharp guy. <laughs> Nobody can against you. No, that also not. That this only is regarding righteous humility. Now, if you are able to do such things, you will merit for the Torah that was given, again, conceptually, by the right hand of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That always the right, the right hand... One second. We're going to see soon in the next teaching <coughs> the symbol of the right hand. He says, It's stated, and your right hand will teach you awesome things. We spoke about it the other day. The right is kindness of Hashem. It always represents the giving of Hashem. Now, Rav Nachman says this verse will be different. What is an illusion of here for the right hand? The right side of things is something that is regarding the Torah. The right of the Torah. What is the right side of the Torah? So again, two Torah scholars who sharpen each other in Aloha, they will merit to receive things that are ascribed to the right hand of the Torah. The Amar Rav Shiloh, the Amar Rav Amar Rav Yosef Barhama, Amar Rav Sheshes. My Dersiv, Orechamim, Bimina, Bismola, Oshel, Rehoboid. We say this passage, Rashi soon will be able to go back to the Shul and say it again. So the passage says, that in the right hand of the Torah there is length of days, and in the left hand is wealth and honor. So the Gemara says, so one second, to the right of the Torah, we're going to see what the right means, is only length of days, but not wealth and honor. 
So the Gemara says, Ela ba. Rather, the verse means for those who deal with her right, with, with the Torah, right-handedly. We didn't speak that in a minute what it means. So people that go right-handedly, which is the right way of approaching the Torah, the Torah promises, because she can also recover. You can have three things, a length of days, wealth, and covered and honor. In Masmilimba, whoever those who deal with the Torah left-handedly, you're going to have only Oshev Kabod, wealth and honor, but not Orechemim. Now, look in the footnotes 32 and 33. So, those who search out the precise reasons behind the Torah's teachings and examining and clarifying everything is like the right hand, which performs skillfully. We have, I don't know about you, Shmuel, but between you and me, Anthony and Nisim are left-handed. But my dear friends, <coughs> don't take it <coughs> seriously. It's just a symbolic thing. Says Rashi, <coughs> just like the right means the skilled person, so those who treat the Torah with the right hand mean to say with skill, with, with a profession, professionalism. They really want to know it with diligence. <coughs> <coughs> my dear Yuval, <coughs> are you still with me? The, with the right hand means if you learn Torah, with, 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 just like you play hockey. Nisim, is you will still with us. Just like Yuval is a champion in hockey because he trains and he really does. So if you learn Torah like that, that is the right hand of the Torah, you're going to be blessed with a long life, with Oshel Bekavod. That's one explanation of Rashi. Now, <clears throat> what is the left hand? Looking for the number 33. <clears throat> I know what's going this morning. <clears throat> Those who do not labor sufficiently in the Torah. Now, this is one way of understanding. A second way is also brought in Rashi, also in the Nefesh Shechaim. Those who deal with right handly means, Len Torah Leshem Shamayim. Now, but uh, I'm sorry, it's not Leshem Shamayim. <clears throat> Leshma means, says the Nefesh Shechaim, you learn Torah because you want to know it. So you are staggering because you want to understand the Torah. That is the right hand of the Torah. And the left hand is for ulterior motives. Okay. So, <clears throat> let's go back to the Gemara. So the Gemara says, Amar Rav Shimon ben Lakish. Sorry. Two Torah scholars. Who are please pleasant towards one another in the course of learning Torah. Look in 34, they engage in, engage in Torah study with the intent to learn from each other. That is Noichim Be'alocha. HaKadosh Baruch Hu The Holy One Blessed Be He is going to listen to them learning because there's a Pasuk in, in, in Malachi. Asnit vero yirei Hashem, this is also Mishnah in Perkavos, brings this pasuk. Asnit vero yirei Hashem v'goymer. Then those who fear Hashem will speak with one another, and Hashem will listen and hear their words. And says the Gemara, ein dibur, asnit vero. So ein dibur ela nachas. So this is a reference to pleasantness, like pleasantness. Shenemar, because he said in the Pasuk, Hashem will humble people beneath us 
and nations under our feet. Look in the footnote number 37. So this is humble. Hashem will humble the nations before us. So the word Yadwer means humility. Um, Brazil, a few months ago, he said this passage, we say it in Rosh Hashanah, the word Dever, that Hashem is going to send Dever, a plague, to the nations instead of sending it to us for us to learn from them and do tshuva. So without Hashem, let's do tshuva. Okay, so before we move on in the next Gemara, please go to Funda number 38 to see the entire Pasuk of Malachi. So say like this. Let me, let me just go in the, in the English of it. Then those who fear Hashem will speak with one another, and Hashem will listen and hear. And a book of remembrance will be written before him for those who fear Hashem and for those who ponder his name. So this is the entire Pasuk. So the Gemara wants to clarify some of these words of this Pasuk. What is the meaning for those who ponder or think about his name? We had this in Brachos also. If a person wanted to do a mitzvah, but then he, was, he couldn't do it, he was prevented from doing that, Hashem gives you the reward if you did it. Okay? So, my dear friends, if we are the people that, that we used to do Davin in a minion, when there was a chance to Davin in a minion, all these months that we're still not able to Davin in a minion, Hashem is giving us a reward as we Davin in a minion. And without Hashem, soon we'll be able to go back to Davin with a proper minion. Okay. Omar but Idi. So, um, regarding how you should do a mitzvah, says over here, anyone who promotes a commandment according to its uterans. So, what does it mean, kemamara? So, look in the footnote number 39. For one, the Masha says, Leshem Shamaim. If you do mitzvahs, not for you one ulterior motives, Leshem Shamaim. Or another explanation means to be without any deficiency. Kemamara either Lashem Shamayim or you do it properly. So You will never hear any by any evil tidings. Hashem will never give you bad news. Shenemar, because says in the Pasuk, Anybody who guards a commandment shall know shall know no evil thing. So it's a beautiful Pasuk. Even if Hashem had made a decree, a harsh punishment against the person, umevatla. <coughs> We're going to see because of the previous Pasuk. So, anybody that does a mitzvah properly, even if it was a bad gzera against him, he, this person will be able to nullify it. Okay? Why? Because he said, Ba'asher devar melech shilton, the, the Pasuk over there, connected to the one that is going to follow soon, it says, For the word of the king has authority, and who can say to him, What are you doing? Right? Who can challenge, who can question Hashem? Hashem, what are you doing? And then the next Pasuk says, You know who? You know who can challenge Hashem? So to say, Hashem, what are you doing? Shemer mitzvah. <clears throat> the person that is our God's 
the mitzvah properly, <coughs> he sought to say, can tell Hashem, Hashem, what are you doing? Let's go to the funeral number 43. It's a beautiful explanation. So a mitzvah is inherently good. I'm in the second paragraph. And any defect, the defect in the mitzvah is evil. So when one performs a mitzvah without any flaws, he removes himself from the realm of evil and therefore does not receive evil tidings. But from the other hand, since he's attached to a level where, uh, no, because he's attached to a level where there was no evil, he can cancel a harsh decree, which is, which is an evil thing. So that's how a person can, can be able to transcend any negativity in the world. I think like a mida can negate mida. If you transcend your own negativity, Hashem removes any negativity of the world against you. Now, let's keep on going on the topic of Bukhavruses. Two Torah scholars that when they're learning, each one hears the other one. And also, listen to them. Because he says in Shira Shirim, Ayushevis Baganim, Khabirim Akshivim, Lekolek Ashmi Ini. You who dwell in the gardens, the companions listens to your voice, let me hear it. Vimenosim can but if the other way has Shalom, they're not listening one to another. They're causing for the Shina, God forbid, to depart from the Jewish people. Shinemar. Brach Dodi would make the goimer. The verse says, the following verse, flee, my beloved, and be like a deer on a young gazelle, or a young gazelle. Running away. That is when people have bruises, each one just wants to make out his own point, and they're not willing to listen to the other people's point. That's terrible. There are two Torah scholars that gather each other in law. Akadosh Baruch Hu Hashem loves them. Shenemara vidiglo alai hava. It's also a pasuk. I think also in Shira Shirim forty six. Yeah, Shira Shirim that says, uh, and His banner over me is love. So the explanation of Hilam. Just continue reading and explaining it. Amar Rava veudayada tursa deshmaita. This is only if these two people know a little bit what's going on in the Gemara. Now with the Ashkol, we can figure out more or less what the Gemara is telling us. And this is also provided that they don't have a teacher in the city from, from whom to learn from him. So if these two people, that they don't have much of a teacher, like the people in Russia, her beautiful stories, when there was the communist government, how people would just take books and on their own learn. Hashem loves that type of people that help one another to try to understand the Torah. Now we're going to change the, the topic, and it's only because he's um, the same Rabbi Abba name Rabbi Shimon Melakish. Gadol Amalve Yoiselmina Oisetzedaka. If you lend people money, is more of a it's more of a mitzvah than just giving charity because when you give charity people get embarrassed but when you lend money they can provide for themselves without so much of an embarrassment and they're going to pay back your loan but what is it even the better from the three from the previous two a third one 
And Matil Bekis, Yosem Mikulan, one who puts money for them to make a business. It's literally uh, pocket money in the pauper, in the ani, because why is this even better? Because if you, if you give your money to somebody else to, to make a business, it's even better than lending money. First of all, by making a business, he's going to be more profitable. He's going to have more of an income. He's going to be able to pay you back whatever you gave him. And it's less embarrassing than, than, than the loan and than, like charity. So that is the best of all. This is also a different topic. If you have somebody, there's a Torah scholar, that he takes revenge and bears grudge like a serpent, nevertheless, gird him to your loins, meaning to say, keep him close to you. But from the other hand, if you have an Amaret, an unlearned man, even if he is very pious, don't dwell in his neighborhood. He's looking for the number 52. Since he does not know the fine details of the mitzvahs and his fight is purpose incomplete, keep a distance. In the end, you will be adversely influenced by him for the negative. Okay, so let me stop over here. Omar Ravkana, Amar Three opinions, but at the end of the day was everything named Rabbi Shimon Melakish. Whoever raises a bad dog in his house. Now we're talking about scary, we're going to see soon in the story in the Gemara, scary, frightening dogs. I mean, I think our Zoe's, they are Mamish Lakatoi. So this type of people, he's going to prevent kindness coming into his house. From a pasuk, Shenemar, Lamas. So first going to read literally the, well, already Gemara, the Askol translates the word Lamas. As the Gemara is going to explain, the word Lamas in, in um, Greek means a dog. So that's why they understand the following verse. Whoever keeps a bad dog, Mereu chasid, withholds kindness from his fellow. Sheken beloshon yivonis korin lekelef lamas. In Greek language, they call a dog lamas. So it's a little bit of a drasha. And, and, and a simple pshat, actually in the Mesilla Shalim class I'm giving at one every day, we just went through this pasuk, literally means one who withholds kindness from his fellow without really referring to a dog. But in the drasha it means a dog. Whoever has a dog, and we're referring to a bad type of dog, he, the fact he has a dog, that's going to be withholding from him to have a kind, kindness in his house. Okay? And also, the having a bad dog at home takes away from you. That says, This is the continuation of the verse. It says, and he abandons the fear of Hashem. So listen to the story. The story is as follows. There was one lady that with permission was going to a house to bake some whatever she needed to bake. 
But then in that house, there was a dog. And the dog started barking at this lady. And she was pregnant. And because the dog barking, she, the, the fetus was uprooted from its place of the womb. But the owner, he wanted to calm her down. And he told her, No, don't be afraid. Nothing's going to happen. This dog doesn't do anything bad. I had already taken out his fangs, his four uh, teeth, teeth that bite, and also the claws. So he's, he's not dangerous. She told him, Take your gratitude and then take it away and throw it to the thorns. I have already in the process of miscarriage. Okay? Another teaching on the Rabbi Shimon Melakish. Sorry. What is that with his greeting? Smach Bachur Bialdusecha, Vitibha, Livha Bime, Bechurosecha, Vialech Bedarhe Livha, Umare Necha. The verse is a little bit contradictory because look what it says. At the beginning it says, Rejoice, young man, in your childhood and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth and go in the ways of your heart and after the sight of your eyes. Seems to me, Yuval, be very careful. Seems to be telling you, do whatever you feel like doing. Look at the password, read it again, and just go ahead, whatever your heart tells you, just do it as nexus. But then, the end of the password says, but know that all of these things, God will bring you into judgment. Okay? So says Rabune, the, the very beginning of the password was the Yetzirah. Okay? But then, Mikan so Yetzirah tells you, you do whatever you feel like doing. Then the Yetzirah says, no, you should know. You have to, have to pay the bill. Let me tell you, Bekitsur, a beautiful marshal of the market of Dubna. There was a guy, they met another guy. And this guy, the first one says to the other guy, you know what, let's go dining, everything on the house. So the guy goes to the restaurant, he orders everything, steak, wine, you name it. And then just before paying the bill, the friend that invited disappears. Simply went to the bathroom, but he just went away. Then comes the waiter with a huge bill to the guy and says, okay, you have to pay it. He said, no, he said he's going to pay it. Where is he? No, he went to the bathroom. They waited half an hour, an hour, and he never came back. So he said, I don't care. You ate, you have to pay the bill. So he said, the market of Numna. That is what the Gemara is telling us about the Yetzirah. He tells you, you know, eat, enjoy, do whatever you feel like doing. <laughs> That's the Yetzirah. Then a person dies, the Yetzirah disappears, and the guy has to pay the bill in front of Hashem. That's what it says, Ravuna. The beginning of the Passover, do whatever you feel like doing in the Yetzirah. But know that all, for all of these things, Hashem will bring you to judgment as the Yetzirah Tov. Okay, Rishlaki says different Pshat on the Passover. Rishlaki says, Omar, Adkan, Edivrei Seira. Rabbi Bolbe in Aleshur brings this Passover in his beginning of the, of the gate of knowing yourself, a beautiful thing. He says, up until now, Edivrei Seira. The beginning is when a person like Yuval, Yuval, if you're still with me, and with this, this is going to be the end of the Agadeta, if you have things to do. 
But listen, if you're still with me, you will. Says Rish Lakish, rejoice, young man, in your childhood. That's when you're learning. And let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. This is when you keep on steiging and learning. And go in the ways of your heart and after the sight of your eyes, enjoying your learning. That's what you're holding. And then become Then when you grow older, you you keep on going. Whatever you learned, now you apply it. Not only what you learned is important, but now you apply and take the toy you learned and become a man, become a Aid Irishamain Shemer Toro Mitzvah. Okay? Shkrach, gentlemen, I want to continue, but then it's going to go back to Allah. Let me see the read together if you will. You sit with me for the last two things, footnotes 7 and 8. Uh, please forgive me, uh, Shmuel and Anthony. This is also for you, but Yuval is a youngster over here. He inspires me. Look in footnote number 7. Rejoice in your Torah studies. Learn joyfully and contently. And go in the ways of your heart to understand what is in your heart according to the sight of your eyes. That is, follow your most sincere understanding on what the Torah intends. Beautiful idea. And then, but number eight, but know that for all these things, for all things that you have learned, at the end you have to be judged if you fulfill them or not. So that is the pass. Okay, now let's move on on Allah. This is the very, very end of the Mishnah, that the Mishnah stated that the Biris is a Torah, which is a garter, which is uh, some type of um, elastic holding the stockings of the ladies, is not a proper garment, and therefore is tower, it doesn't become tame. And also because the lady might not come to take it out, you can t- you can a lady can go out without on Shabbos. Okay, but then the Mishnah ended with leg chains. Those are yes susceptible to tuma. The Gemara is going to explain why. And also, a person cannot, uh, can, cannot go out with them on Shabbos. So the Gemara says like this, Omar Abiyude. Biris zu etzada. So biris is the first part of the Mishnah that we said is a garter. But according to Abiyude, this garter refers to an arm band. So it's like a little bit of an adornment. So Rav Yosef says, no, it's not in the arm. Why? Because it says, Shabbos. So if you're telling me that it's a band of the arm, why can, can he go out on Shabbos with it? I know. Also in terms of Tumah. Sorry, the Vakash is more in terms of the Tumah. Why the Mishnah says it would be a, gar- a garter on the arm, a garter on the arm, why is Taor? Because an Etzada is Tzmea, an Arman, we find in the Pasuk of Midian that is, is considered a Kli, and once it's considered a Kli, it's susceptible to become Tami. So according to him, it cannot be that Armband. Rather, according to Rabbi Yosef, uh, what the Gemara is going to explain what Rabbi Yosef what Rabbi Yudha meant. Achik Yamar, he said, Biris, he stands in the place of an armband, but it's really not in the arm, rather in the leg, and is a utensil that serves a garment, and that's why enumekabel tuma. Okay, 
So Yasif, the Gemara is going to tell us an interesting story regarding the second part of the Mishnah, these chains uh, that are Yes Mekabal Tuma and pray to God with them on Shabbos. So it says the Gemara, Yasif Rabbi Meravuna, Kamid Ravirmia. So Rabbi Meravuna, look at the phone number 12, this cannot be the famous Ravuna, because the famous Ravuna was more important than Ravirmia, he wouldn't see it as a student of Ravirmia, it must be a different Ravuna. So there, these two people, Rabbi Ravuna, were sitting in front of Ravirmia. And Ravnim was falling asleep, but dozing while these two other people were learning. So Ravim said the following, So Biris, this garter, the ladies wear it in one leg, which means Biris goes in each of the legs to hold on to the ladies' stockings. But Kvalim, but this Kvalim is like these chains, they kind of put together the, the, the two, they hold together the two stockings and they are connected. So Rabuna said to Rabin, Elo Velo time. No, this not, don't tell me one is for one and the other one is for two. They both are in both legs. Umatilin Shalshelas, and they put like a chain, Benem Ben Asur Kvalim. And the, the chain unites these two things to hold the stockings. So when they are worn without a chain connecting them, they're called garters. And when they're wearing them with a chain, they're called kvalim. Says the Gemara, but it's really that the chain that puts together these holders of the of the stockings, what makes it to be a utensil, and therefore is Mechabal Tuma. So the Gemara answers, and if you want to tell me, this follows, Rabbi Shmuel Nachmani, that we also saw previously, that he said, from whether we know that you have anything that is a metal utensil that makes sound, that is becoming tuma, that, that, that is susceptible to tuma. Remember, we said previously regarding a bell, that if the bell has the, the clapper that makes noise, is susceptible to tuma. Why? Because of the noise. And he brought the pasuk, Shirimar, Kolabrasher Yeboba Esh, anything that comes into fire and the Gemara is uh, making the drasha from the word davar. So in a simple level the word called davar means any object. But also the word davar comes from the word dibur, which is speech. So says the Gemara in the level, in the, the level of a drasha, afilu dibur mashma. So in this Pasuk, when the Torah was stating the laws of purification, included even things that have to do with dibur, with sound, to, to let us know that also they're susceptible to become tamen. So that's why, according to Rabbi Irmia, not Rabbi Irmia, Rabbi, Rabbi, was Rabin, no, Rabbi Irmia, Rabin, so that's why, no, no, Rabin, Rabbi Irmia, that's why these chains can become tamen because they make noise. 
So it says the Gemara, but hold on. Meshlama Asa, I understand in that Russia, when you're talking uh, something that really you need the, the sound of it, like a bell. Because you want the sound of the bell, and it also has like a task. Like you need the bell for the slave, or the bell for the, for the cow, to know where the cow is, or the baby. So that's why it's a utensil. But for why you need the sound in these chains holding the stockings of a lady? So says the Gemara, also over here, this chain performs a task, and we need the sound of it. Why? Because he told the following, Yerushalayim. Once upon a time, there was a family in Yerushalayim, and this family, the ladies, would walk with long strides, with large steps. And because of that, the ladies, the little girls, because they were, they were walking with such long steps that the imens, the besulim, their virginity will fall down. So what did they do to force them to walk slower, to walk with shorter steps? This is probably the origin of this uh, utensil. They did garters for them, and they put chains between the bands to force them to walk with shorter steps. So they wouldn't walk with large steps. And like that, and as a result of that, their hymenal membranes did not fall out. So, looking for the number 19, so the sound, it's, so they needed the sound of these chains at the very bottom. The sound itself reminded the girls to take more delicate steps. So with these Gemara answers, why is considered a kli and why is can mekabel tuma? Because of the sound that these chains produce while these ladies were walking and there was a benefit for the sound to make them aware not to walk so fast. So this was the, the conversation between Ravin and Ravuna. So then, uh, Ravirmia woke up and Amarleo and he told him, Yasher, Yasher Koyach. This is exactly what Rabbi Yochanan explained regarding this Mishnah. Okay, another Allah. Kiasa, Rabbi Yochanan, where Rabbi came from Babylonia to the land of Israel, he told the following name Rabbi Yochanan. Minayin le Arig, Kosho Shutame. So Arig is a woven article. And any size, so as an example, a belt. You have a belt of woven fabric around your pants, to hold your pants. So how do we know, how do we know that even though there is not even three etzvahs by three etzvahs, three fingers by three fingers. So even though in the length is for sure more than three fingers, but in the width is less than three fingers, like two fingers. How do we know that such a garment is susceptible to become tame? So he says, from the tzitz. The tzitz is the head plate worn by the coin gadol. 
So just like the tits, it was a small size, also wasn't three fingers. And is considered enough to be counted as one of the priestly vestments, is considered a kli. So the same thing is going to be regarding Tuma. So we learn, and according to the Avamina, the tzitz was also a woven thing. So from that we learn that any woven uh, thing, even in small size, can, is considered an article, as long as it has a purpose to it, and if it's susceptible to become tummy. The Gemara challenges this, to Ravdimi. The tzitz arigo, how can you compare the tzitz to a woven thing? Vyatania, because well in Abraisa, that the tzitz came in tas shuzav. The tzitz was a sort of a gold plate. It wasn't a woven thing, it was a metal. Verloch of Shetzvahis, and it was two finger breadths wide. Umukav miozen leozen, and we'd go from one ear to the other ear. Vekatsuvalav, and just to end of the Braisa, what is engraved in the tzitz? So according to Tanakama, it was in two lines. Yud, hey, but really means also the another Vav and the hey, the entire name of Hashem. That was according to Tanakama Milemala, in the first line, the Kodesh Lamed Lemata. So look in the pictures. You have Rashi, Toysos, and Ravenutam. How were these two names, these, these two words written? Okay? This according to Tanakama. And uh, let's continue. But the Tana Rabbi Barabiosi argues with Tanakama, with Chochomim, and said, What are you talking about? Look in the footnotes. They, they just said, Look in different Gemara for the, the, the whole story. I didn't look in the other Gemara. There's a whole reason why the Caesar of Rome had a gratitude to Rabbi Eliezer Rabbi Yossi, and he told, told him, go to the treasures, and whatever you want, you can take it with you. So he went there, and he saw many articles that were taken by the Romans when they destroyed the Besamikdash. And one of the things he saw over there was the tits. So he said, Rabbi Eliezer Yossi, I saw the tits because of Kodesh Lashem, and it's written, the, the two words, Kodesh Lashem, Shurachas, let me see the other word, Beshitachas, in one line. So he disagrees with the Tanakama, with the Chochamim, because he said, I saw it. Okay, but that's a side point going back to the question how can Rabdimi say that uh, Rabbi Yochanan learns an Arig from the Tzitz, Rabdimi was, when the Tzitz was made out of gold, and an Arig is a woman thing. So So after he was with the Bayan and Pombedisa, then he went to Nardoye. And once he arrived to Nardoye, he sent back the following message to Abaye. You know what? Please forgive me. Whatever I told you in the name of Rabbi it was a mistake. Let me tell you the, the edited, the correct version of what is the name of Yohanan. From when do we know that anything is an ornament, even any size, could be a very small thing, 
that it can become tome from the seeds. So that is not an, an, a thing that is being uh, woven. That is just any ornament, even like gold, like the, the seeds, any size can become tame. Now a second teaching, and for whether or not that a woven article of any size is susceptible for tuma from a pasuk. He says, Oi veged. So in the footnote number, that means oral garment. Look in the footnote number 28. Then bring you the whole pasuk regarding tuma. And it says over there, tumas are sherets. And anything upon which a part of them falls when they are dead shall become tame. Whether any wood, wooden utensil or garment or a hide or a sack, every utensil with which work is done shall be brought into the water and remain tame until evening and then become tower. So the word O is extra because the verse could, could have write it Vav Veged, Uveged without the Aleph. So from this, Rabbi Yohanan comes to include any Arig, any woven article, even though it's smaller than three by three. So what Rabbi Dimi did as a mistake, he put two teachings into one. And that's why he thought that we learn from the from the tzitz to the woman things. And then he remembered, no, there's two different teachings. From the tzitz, we learn any article of metal. And then from Oveged, we learn from anything that is woven. The Gemara says, Tan Rabbanan, in Abraisa, this same thing. So if you have any woven article of any size, it's susceptible to become tome. And also the Tachshit Kosheu Tome, and also an ornament of any size can also become Tome. Now, what about Arik Vetachshit Kosheu? What if you have a combination that is a small thing, but is composed out of two things? The Tachshit, the, the, uh, the, the, the Arik, which is a, a weave, and an ornament. How do you know it's also Tome? Moisev Sak, Alabegin. And also a second alaha, a sackcloth that is on a garment that is. Uh, one second. Now we're talking, this sack is made out of goat's hair and is more susceptible to tuma than a garment. One second. I think these two things we're going to learn just now. Yeah, these two things we're going to learn now. And that the circle is susceptible to tumor as a woven article. So the Gemara is going to explain from, from where? Amarobe, Ari Kosheu Tame, and Ari Kosheu, and woven thing of any size is susceptible to tumor. As we saw from Rabbi Hanan, from the words Oi Veged. Then, Tachshit Kosheu Tame Mitzitz. We also mentioned this. And any ornament, we learn it from the Tzitz. And then, Arik Tachshit Kosheu Tame Mikol Klimase. So we learned it from the words Kol Klimase. That they are in a different verse that uh, they are susceptible for Tuma. Kolti means every fashion vessel. 
So this is a pasuk, also by the Midianites, that it says, Kol klimase, that means anything that is considered a vessel can, can become tame. Rabbit, that sage asked Rabbit, Ove Midian Ksiv, that you learn it from Midian? He says, Gamar, we learn it from Xero Shava, from Kli Kli Meosam. So we connect the Psukim from Midian to the Psukim in the Pasuk of Sheretz that both have the words Kli. So just regarding the Kli, the word vessel in Midian, it's Mechabal Tuma. So also regarding Sheretz, that says the word Kli, we learn that also something that is half woven and half metal is also susceptible to become Tami. Okay, have a great Shabbos. Rashim's here tomorrow at 8 p.m. Shkoyach, all the best. Bye.